Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Byron. My name is Henry. And today we're going to be asking the question, what do people misunderstand about you most? So I'll start by asking Byron this. What do people misunderstand about you most, Byron? <laughs> um, well, I think for me, I used to be very, like, not secure about myself, I guess, or less out there and outgoing. So I feel like yeah. that that cockiness or i guess it's not i don't know if they misunderstand it about me the most but the thing that i am like afraid of them misunderstanding i guess is me uh. being cocky because it's not like real cockiness if you know what i mean <laughs> are you saying that because um when you like let's let's say for example you have confidence from alcohol do you think that people could misunderstand your confidence as cockiness simply because you're not like that usually? Um, well, no, I, uh, maybe, but I, I, what I'm referring to more is like, sometimes I'll make jokes about being very cocky when in reality I'm not that cocky <laughs> and I want, I just afraid people misunderstand wait, wait, wait. that as not being a joke. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. Actually. I don't, I don't do it around you guys actually. Like around you and Aiden who, that much? I really don't do, do it, around. it around. I do it around uh, more like Mimi and Ashley. Wow. Yeah. Can you? What, what's an example? Of one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I can't think of like a, a specific example off the top of my head, but just like little remarks. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! I think I know what you're talking about. It's when you say like. Yeah, I'm, I'm simply the best, you know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's like a little, a little thing that's like clearly a joke, but also very cocky if you're not getting it. I think, I yeah, think I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. One, one of them is like, um, oh, Byron, how, like, how did you do that? How did you, how did you do that thing? Oh, you know, I'm simply the best. Yeah, I'm just the best, man. I'm just the best. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, like that. Okay, I, yeah, I know, I know what you mean by that. So you, you would be afraid that they would take that seriously. Yeah, because if you take that seriously, then you're just kind of like, oh, this guy's just a dick, you know. He's just full right. of himself. And when really, it's not like that at all. Avoid. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to be a cocky guy. <laughs> Confident yeah. guy, maybe not cocky. Yeah, that's also when when you talk about being afraid of being misunderstood. Actually, is something I can relate to because I definitely was afraid of being known as the mean person including my sister i used to make them I, I used to be really nasty because i thought it was funny and over time i saw like how i hurt people like that and i was really afraid after that point of um being known as the mean one or being known as the annoying one last time we were talking about sitting with the American group of people being the loudest in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. One of my fears is being associated with that, <laughs> being, being, being associated with the annoying people was actually a fear of mine. And also was the fear of being associated with the people that tease everybody, you know? Yeah. I was afraid I was, of, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> no, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as I became like more confident, I was afraid of, losing my kindness i don't know if you had that yes. too but like yeah. i felt like i could have been nicer before than i am now mm -hmm. even though 
I don't think I actually am, but it, al it fe almost feels like that. Because sometimes I'll make it uh, a joke and maybe it could it could offend someone, you know? It, it definitely could offend someone. But it's also a funny joke, you know? <laughs> with the group that I'm with, it would be a funny joke. I'm but I'm simply the best, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, not like that, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely um understand why you'd be afraid of losing your kindness because i started out that way as being the really confident person that sometimes wasn't kind and i was afraid of if it felt to me like when i enter that mode of being super confident i also lost my sensitivity of my the impact of my words so it felt it was a dilemma where i could only have one or the other i could only be kind or i could only be confident but not both and being able to learn how to be confident and kind at the same time it took me a long time i think mm -hmm. it's definitely a, a fine line like i think there's some jokes yeah. but there's yeah. a type of humor where you kind of like shit on each other almost a little bit you yeah, know and true. that can feel mean if you don't do it right or if you yeah. don't usually do it like if for coming from me i didn't usually do that kind of like jokes before where you kind of just like shit on each other and yeah. it almost felt like i was being mean even though it was you know it's a joke yeah yeah that's right i never liked that kind of humor either it felt to me as well yeah i just didn't prefer it but also there needs to be a very strong understanding that you all love each other yeah yeah under under the surface if that's not there then those jokes can then it is mean yeah right yeah that's something also I felt in high school, um, being with our group of friends, actually. I felt like sometimes it was just I lost that sense that we all really cared about each other. And then it, I started taking things personally. Mm -hmm. but that was just, yeah, that was me, like a, a personal issue that I had. I'm not sure how you guys felt about that. Uh, I mean, I didn't ever feel like anything was personal. I took everything okay. as being a joke in our friend group anyways, because I know, or yeah. at least I think I know that we're all, you know, we all love each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think we do. I, I, no, not, not, I think we, not, I think <laughs> that we love each other. I know we love each other. Yeah. But I think we all understand that now. Yeah. Whereas for me, I, during high school, I sort of felt this uneasiness because I also was I was caught up in a lot of different things. It was hard for me to mm -hmm. see, see clearly, but now I feel, yes, I'm grounded again, that we all, we all care about each other. And it's not like one joke is going to be on purpose, like deliberately mean it's like done in good spirit. I can see that now, which yeah. I think has been a, a period of growth for me to recognize that. And I don't think any of us ever make jokes about each other intending to be mean either you know yeah of course not yeah because i think we're all very kind people us four yeah we're we're all quote unquote nice guys but not <laughs> the negative connotation that that has yeah yeah, yeah. we're genuinely nice we genuinely care mm -hmm. i think it's difficult for us to be mean actually <laughs> honestly which is a good thing yeah that's a good thing yeah yeah but i can't going back to the... oh yeah I can't really see uh, anyone being mean in our group. Yeah. Yeah, especially now, especially all the experience that we had. Mm -hmm. Like, 
it's just not not appealing at all. <laughs> yeah. So going back to the question, what do people misunderstand misunderstand about you most? Um, if if you were to ask that to me, I would probably say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your side? <laughs> I would say, oh, thanks for asking. I would say, yeah, anytime. <laughs> um. A lot of people have described me as calm and mysterious. Yeah, I agree. Mis mis mysterious, not as much. Calm more often. <laughs> um, I'll just call. I'll, I'll just mysterious first. Mysterious. I think people saw me as in high school, especially because I was never inclined to to uh, grow my roots anywhere. I was always free floating. I was always walking around, but I also mm -hmm. didn't give my opinions a lot. I didn't, I no longer was super outspoken about things. In freshman year, I loved to sit at one table. I, you probably remember with the Mormon kids, mm -hmm. I would sit there and there was Faith and Hannah and Steven, and I would love to just argue with them. <laughs> I'd be like, guys, what if I were to say that God is not real? And I would just wait for them to be like, well, you know, see, da 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 da. They were very nice, but I was just there because I wanted to argue. I wanted to <laughs> feel right. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to state my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then I realized nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Nobody's interested in your very strong opinion about something that you only have a strong opinion about. So that you can argue with people. Yeah. It's perfectly fine to be passionate, but I was having opinions simply for the sake of entertaining myself by proving that I was better than people logically. I was more intelligent than them. Mm -hmm. And I think after it's also, that fate, yeah. Oh, yeah, you continue first. I'll, I'll make my comment in a sec. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, I realized that, that I was just being a dick. I was, I was being this annoying person. <laughs> And actually, that was the the opposite of what I really wanted to be. The opposite of who I really was. Mm -hmm. I was really a person who was caring and and wanted to uplift others. And I didn't feel adequate about myself at the time. So it was sort of a reaction in order to feel like, oh yeah, I am as intelligent as I think I am, right? But after that period, went over i just withdrew into myself and from that point on until the end of high school i was very quiet i was very closed about my opinions and about my internal state because i was telling myself that nobody really cared what i had to say nobody wanted to hear what i had to say because i saw the effect i had being annoying mm -hmm. and after telling that to myself i was very elusive from conversations from people I, it was hard for me to be genuine about anything because i felt like everybody would judge me if i really was who i, who I thought i was because i had this facade of being cool being mysterious <laughs> i told myself that that was who i was so to break that people would be surprised they would be like wait what, what's going, what's happening here and i didn't want that awkwardness to be there so i just kept up that frame you know, for mm -hmm. being mysterious and being cool and stuff. 
I think that uh, with when you said that in like freshman year or something, when you uh, wanted to like have or you'd have like a uh, you take the opposite side or play devil's advocate just so you could uh, like yeah. debate about stuff. I think that's also like ties into yeah. just like wanting to be heard or something, you know, or wanting to speak your opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it's really like you were saying. Like that's not really the kind of person you want to be to you know like shut down someone else's thinking or or you know maybe make them feel a little bit bad about themselves or something like that you just wanted to you know talk you know which i mean yeah that makes that makes sense right if you if you you know keep everything in then every once in a while you're gonna want to let some stuff out yeah and an interesting happens when you feel like you want to be heard is that you can talk to a hundred people but if those hundred people don't actually let you know that you're heard you can talk forever Mm -hmm. and the key is that one person needs to see you for who you really are Mm -hmm. and accept and let you know that i understand where you're coming from i know exactly what you're talking about and i think what you're saying is so valuable all it takes is one person to say that to you after that you shut up (laughs) right (laughs) all right listen i know you're talking about i really agree with you now shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) no but when i say shut up i mean i mean you're satisfied yeah yeah i know like (laughs) (laughs) that'd be funny if yeah so byron i completely understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. i completely Mm -hmm. you know i appreciate what you're saying thank you You thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah so so that happened and then I think for the uh, calm part of me, people say I'm calm. I think this is true initially because I was very good at suppressing my emotions. Mm -hmm. When I got angry, I was very good at not showing it. When I was happy, I was also very good at not showing it. Because as part of the mysterious cool persona, the cool person isn't excited about things. Sure. The yeah. cool person doesn't allow themselves to get roped into the the eagerness of, you know, get, getting hyped about a certain game or a certain song. The mysterious person is detached and aloof. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that just came from a place of wishing that I could control my emotions entirely, wishing that I could have mastery over them. Because if I had mastery over my emotions, I wouldn't be judged for certain emotions that I used to do automatically. If I got excited about something in class and everybody else is like, why are you excited about this? Like, we're just here to, you know, play on our laptops and then get out after 45 minutes. And you're actually excited about what we're learning? Like, that's not cool, man. So I got the sense very quickly in middle school and high school that it's not like in order to be cool, in order to be accepted for who I was, I could not get excited about certain things, nor could I be angry about certain things. I think that's funny how... Of course, all the other emotions. I think it's funny how uh, like negative things usually take hold in situations like that. Like not to be... uh, Like not showing that you're excited... You know, like a, that's a negative thing. And that usually is yeah. what people conform to instead of the positive side of it. 
which I just think is kind of funny because it, it shows you how how strong uh, a, a negative emotion is versus a, a positive one because you will do yes. a, almost anything to avoid a negative emotion well a positive one is almost like a it's a bonus you know it's not something that you that's right like really run after I actually I think that's a great observation I was watching a video about procrastination and the entire psychology be behind procrastination is that you're motivated by negative emotions more than positive ones. Mm -hmm. So the relief that you get when you finish homework is not strong enough. Yeah. But the, the fear of turning in a blank paper, that motivates you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that just shows you how strong, how much stronger negative emotions are than positive emotions when it comes to motivation. I thought that, I thought that was a great example of it. Also, I recently started this thing where I'm like tracking down my days almost. So what I do is that there's this app, not a sponsor, unfortunately. <laughs> it's yeah. called it's called a Bearable, and it's basically just like oh, yeah. Wait. Oh no, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was I I, th I thought I thought I heard of a I was thinking of the note taking app Bear. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Which is completely different. I don't know why I thought that. Okay. Anyways, it's like a, almost like a survey kind of thing. You do, you can do like every day. You basically write down your overall mood, uh, things you did that day, uh, emotions you're feeling. Uh, maybe if you feel sick this day or you feel anxious or you can write down your gratitudes, uh, who you hung out with, if you stayed inside or if you did a lot of work or if it was a... Uh, like a chill day and it basically over time it'll correlate how you feel your overall emotion to certain things so you can actually see that oh m me chilling at home actually makes me feel better than me going out and hanging out with, with friends or something you know like it'll actually show you that uh yeah effect on on your uh your happiness and your emotions i guess and i'm also doing this other thing with just with snapchat and i basically just take a picture of myself every day and I write down this short maybe I don't know five to six sentences of just a summary of the day so eventually I'll have uh like this big catalog of days almost that I can go back and click into and see what was going on mm -hmm. yeah, I think it journaling. yeah yeah it's yeah it's exactly like that it's journaling with a picture <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think that's very helpful actually it's been uh interesting so far um well, I think it's especially good for people like me and you that don't talk as much because we can almost talk to ourselves, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you can, you can write it down and that's a form of relief, I guess, of your like emotions and stuff. So yeah, that's definitely helped because I can let out the bad stuff and keep moving on with my, my days, I guess. And you mentioned that the first app, the bearable one the yeah. survey it a lot it shows you correlations between moods and activities yeah has, and has anything really that you put in i haven't been using it for long enough to see any correlations so okay. i've been using it for like a week oh, or so but i plan to make it a okay. you know a daily thing that i do yeah I, I would like to hear if if the app gives you any insights that you weren't able to make on your own yeah and like, what you can do is actually you, yeah uh you can put in people's names so you can say oh i hung out with derek today or something and yeah. 
over time, you'll get a, a correlation to how good you feel when you hang out with Derek, you know? <laughs> so maybe, maybe you don't really like Derek that much. <laughs> <You know? laughs> maybe Derek makes you feel bad. And then you, you'll see that over time. I could see how that that would be useful for people who have normalized abuse yeah or have normalized some sort of emotional um trauma with certain people like think... the app will tell you hey this, this person actually is having a negative effect on you even though you think this is normal like notice the correlation here yeah yeah <laughs> i think a lot of people or maybe not, i don't actually know that much but i think that uh people like that sometimes it'll just kind of slip by them like they, they, they'll, yeah. they'll think it's normal like what you're saying and someone needs to actually like point it out to them or show them that's right that it's you know it's actually affecting them it's not normal and then i think it kind of clicks even though from the outside it's very obvious from the inside they you know it's harder to tell yeah that's fascinating how i mean the future of this is just ai and massive data um, collection from people's lives and mm -hmm. then you have an ai in the future that says this person is probably um causing you trauma because you have this trigger whenever you're with them that you're you're not aware of but here it is after like a thousand you know mm -hmm. um data points history stuff like that yeah it's yeah. crazy you think there's a line to be crossed there with ai <laughs> oh yes we're going into interesting territory <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um Is there a line to be crossed with AI data collection, you mean? Yeah, like, do you think that if a robot's collecting your every, you know, emotions and your actions about, you know, people you hang out with and then, like, giving you feedback on that, do you think that's crossing a line? Is it the line in terms of selling information to companies or simply the idea? Well, I think selling the information is definitely crossing a line <laughs> so let's say yeah that they don't yeah. they don't sell information they're simply collecting it to okay. give you insights on your life a robot um robot suggestions no yeah. problem with it you can collect okay. all the all the information you want about me because they're suggestions the moment mm -hmm. the moment that you take actions that I cannot map out in my head all of the possible actions that you could take that affect my life. As soon as that becomes an unknown amount of actions that I don't know about, then I think that's the line. Okay, what if because, you... Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, I was just going to say, uh, what if this AI uh, has a bunch of data points on you and now that you're hanging out with with let's say uh someone someone called alice okay let's say alice let's say you're hanging out with this girl named alice and it predicts that you have a 75 percent chance of uh like not liking this person or eventually devolving into a bad relationship with this person just like you know as friends or whatever mm -hmm. like you end up not liking this person so yes. it'll tell you that and then you might shut off that or stop pursuing that because it, it it's guessing that you know yes most likely you will not be friends with this person in the future where in reality that 25 percent that could be you know your wife or something you know yes. like do you think that's 
crossing a line? Do you think that's okay? This is a problem not with the robot, but with you. So、mm. the question, the question of, do you follow this percentage? To what extent do you follow this percentage? Ultimately, the AI is a tool, just like astrology is a tool. If you consider astrology your authority figure in your life, this is a problem with you, not the astrology. If you follow the astrology that says you're not compatible with this person because they have a different sign, because the stars have aligned in a certain way, and you follow the astrology and and you think that benefits your life, this is your decision. But I think the same is true with an AI. The the seventy five percent, it's all data, right? It's all a tool. It's a guidance system, and the person who decides to Have that tool in their life. I think the healthy thing to do is consider it and make your decision based not only on the tool but your own experience. And your experience should always be the the number one trust trust trusted source.、Mm-hmm. But certainly, I think the tool would have its uses. It's just important to remember that it's not your authority, right? Yeah, I I think that's very well put. It's not the tool's fault. If you do something, it's it's your fault, you know. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will fall into, or would fall into that, like, oh, you yeah, know, I, the robot says seventy five percent. Like, that's come on, I'm not going to do it now, you know. And just、definitely. like with astrology too, like some people will think that it, that's the end all be all, you know. Like,、oh, our signs don't match. Sorry, bud. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. And it's probably not、I、even mean, match or however it works. Sorry if I offended、yeah, someone just now. Yeah, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an authority on astrology. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know jack shit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I like how you pointed out how a lot of people will probably fall into that because look how many people already fall into the traps of our technology,、mm-hmm. of a tool becoming the authority. Right, you have the tool of the computer or the, um. You know the phone that manages your life, manages your budget, manages your、um, your schedule, your notes, your access to the internet, your what you do based on the weather, right? The weather's not always right. Sometimes it says it'll rain and it's sunny outside, and you're like, "What? What happened? I thought the weather <laughs> was always right." We have to remember that these are just tools that are imperfect authorities. Their suggestions, right, based on very intelligent systems that、mm-hmm. have been designed by intelligent people who are not always right, and it's. I think that's why disconnecting is important every once in a while from screens, if at least to remind ourselves that we are the ultimate authority of our own lives, right? Yeah, I think that a lot of people, when you say like. Oh, you need to get off your phone. They instantly just stop listening, you know, because、yes. that they they don't even because as soon as you say that, then you're denying something, or denying them something, I guess, and they're just like, no, why would I, why would I take part in that? When really they're, I think, denying themselves from something, you know, like they're denying themselves from experiencing some other part of life that you are maybe just trying to show them, but they, you know, they're. Stuck in their own world, and they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. Which I mean, it makes sense. It's uncomfortable to step out of your comfort zone, but I think that's how people grow—is you know, stepping out of their comfort zones. So, 
and I like how you talked about that because definitely the phone is giving them something that they don't want to give up. And now you're a threat. You're a perceived threat if you're trying to take away this thing. And this is actually, I've learned a lot about addictions. Phone addictions, of course, being one of them. Same with video games and other um, screen, like watching TV shows, a lot of screen addictions nowadays, porn. And um, the important thing that I learned is that the addiction serves a purpose in a person's life. If someone's addicted to the phone, that phone is giving them something that they are otherwise unable to get. Mm-hmm. It's meeting a certain need of theirs. And this is why screens are so powerful as tools. They can quickly become the authority over somebody's life because it's giving them a lot of needs that they otherwise have unmet. You know, and it only f- it doesn't fill them perfectly. It doesn't fill them authentically, but it fills them to a certain extent that they can't get otherwise. I it's think important to remember that. I think what's like really evil almost actually is that companies know this and then they use it to yeah yeah, they use it to gain you know money and and stuff for themselves like i'm sure facebook instagram i guess they're owned by facebook now uh wait wait they are yeah instagram's owned by facebook oh my goodness yeah so i mean everything's kind of the metaverse consolidating the meta oh yeah (laughs) and facebook yeah (laughs) and so I mean, I I've, haven't seen that much, but I have seen there's so there's some document uh, documentary, yeah, yeah, on uh, Netflix or something. I don't remember what it's called, but it's about this, about like how companies know, like know your like usage time and know your yeah. like everything about you essentially, <laughs> and yeah. they're and they're like always listening to. I actually have a Google Home. I actually have a Google Home right next to me that could be listening right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, have you seen, uh, there's some videos where people will, I think someone like, they just talked about uh, wanting to get like a bike or something. And they just really talked about bikes for like 30 minutes. And then then it shows up. And then exactly. And they go on Google and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of ads about getting a bike. You know, like some stuff like that. That could be coincidence, but also... It's a little fishy, and I don't think that's ethical, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it is, because I don't know. I guess they get a profit, and you get... I mean, you get ads directed towards what you want, but also it's like you're listening in on conversations. I guess it's just how they use the data that is really determines whether it's ethical or not, because I think marketing towards... or changing ads towards what you prefer in theory is a good thing but mm-hmm. if they're using i don't know i don't know it feels kind of creepy if they're <laughs> listening in tell you every word you know yeah yeah um have you watched any edward snowden no i have not don't know That's who that right. is he yeah okay so he's a whistleblower for the uh some i don't know if it's cia or fbi or another american intelligence agency um, I was just curious if you heard of him. It's been a while since I watched him. But he talks a lot about this stuff. And I think, like you said, in concept, personalizing what you get recommended is a, is a good thing. The problem, I think, is that people feel deceived because 
none of this is explicitly said. That's true. Yeah, I don't think I don't think companies really. Product. Sorry, sorry. I don't think companies really. Uh, yeah, they don't tell you much. It's not explicitly said. Yeah, they don't really advertise it, right? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't tell you much. I mean, they might say we do personalize some things, but you don't. You never know the full extent, right? And you never know the extent of, um, to what extent governments have control over your information. For example, see, and, I I know and. To what extent and they weaponize that information if they want to stuff like that. Sorry, I know that. Uh, like, I feel like companies can almost do worse with that compared to governments. Like, I feel like governments, at the end of the day, they're there to, you know, govern and make sure that your life. Well, I don't know if that's true to all governments, but make sure that the people's <laughs> lives are are good, you know, or the the best that they can be, I guess. So for me, like governments having or knowing what I talk about, uh, maybe not what I talk about, but knowing stuff about me, I think that's okay. Like that's can't I don't think it's that bad. But companies using the information to profit off of me unethically. Uh, mm. I think that's worse because the government might mm. might yeah because like let's 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 play out the government side like if if there's a serial killer on the loose and the i don't know google home has been listening to the serial killer talk about killing people or whatever then all of a sudden yeah. you've you've caught the serial killer because google home has been listening to him or something you know like like that i yeah. feel like there's there's good there like good things that can happen with that but also it shouldn't be used unethically and that's where it's very hard to draw a line you know how do you control that because it's end of the day it's all people making these decisions behind you know behind the surface exactly. or under the surface yeah actually exactly. that could tie back into the ai thing if you designed an AI to control, I guess, who gets the permissions of this data, then I suppose that would solve it. But then again, then you hand society to an AI, which could be a very, very good thing. But <laughs> I don't know. It could also be a bad thing. What do you What do you think? What do you think that that would be a good idea or a bad idea? Yeah, that's a hard question. I mean, the AI is an expression of human beings. Mm -hmm. So, as a collective, if we we decided this was the only way for us to survive, let's say, we're, this has to happen, then I think as a human species, we would have to really think hard and decide the people that we want this AI to be an expression of. Because the society under the AI is an expression of the AI, and the AI is an expression of the human beings who write it. We would really need to consider deeply which human beings will write that AI. Mm -hmm. Everything goes from there. I mean, you're literally putting the hands of millions of people in the hands of a program that I assume nobody has the power to override. Because if you can override it, that means that yeah take control of it and yeah. all that so you would have to design a 
essentially a society where humans are are captive. They have no choice but to be captive under the program because if they had a choice to be captive or not captive, they could override it, and that's a danger. Or maybe right? it could be like、mm, the world leaders are put on a council or something, and like they. Have the ability to vote on how the AI turns out, or something like that.、Hmm. Or they have the ability. Before it's written. Uh, yeah, or maybe, I guess they they would just have administrator, like, control. Administrator rights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> administrator rights. Admin rights <laughs> over Admin uh rights. this AI that that would be set up, I guess, across the world. You know.、Yeah. And well, I think it's interesting because, in certain ways, this is already happening. There are certain programs that control society that I think very few people have admin rights to, and a lot of that is like the news. A lot of that is um, uh, marketing campaigns made by really big companies. I don't think it's just I don't.、Uh, From what I've read, at least, the government, the American government, the American news media, and American corporations and banks all have、um, all have connections to each other. So I think this idea of an AI controlling society actually is already happening in ways that are not explicitly a program, but are certain messages that are.、Um, That are said in all different ways, like through the media, through advertisements, and a lot of it is about, as far as I can tell.、Um, well, I'm speculating a lot here, obviously, but、mm -hmm. I can imagine like a lot of news and corporations aligning to tell people that they're inadequate in in certain ways, because. What's the easiest way to make money other than to tell somebody they have an inadequacy and then offer them the solution to that very inadequacy? If your、mm -hmm. hair it produces excess oil, which is something that a lot of shampoo commercials have, for example, your hair has excess oil, and the shampoo removes the excess oil. But it's not proven that this oil is excess in the first place. It's just something they say. And they offer you the solution in the same sentence. It's these think, kind of prog programs, I think, that actually have a very large influence on society and the people that are in it. So it's kind of like a AI that certain people have admin rights to that can, like, that can distribute this program across millions of people. I I mean I I agree with you here, but also if you like get into the mindset where you. Maybe I mean I think you should question everything, whether it's it's、uh, like true or false, the information that you're seeing. But also, I don't think you should instantly, you shouldn't like doubt everything because if you doubt everything, then all of a sudden everyone is against you and you can't、yep. trust anyone, which、yep. I don't think is true. Like I don't think everyone is against you, and I think that most of the time. Mainstream media is telling you the truth, 
It's just maybe they have some fluff stuff or maybe they put in some fluffy words or something to switch the, uh, Maybe they have like some hidden agenda or something, but I think that most of the time it's not like that. I think those are the the outliers and if you generalize everything based off the outlier like if you can't if, if you, let's say one person at cnn publishes some article that's wildly untrue and all of a sudden you th your faith in cnn is completely gone when really it was just this one dude at cnn or something you know like i don't think no one's perfect is what i'm trying to say <laughs> and i don't think you should let one thing or one event sway your entire thinking on uh, like a massive platform like that. I think you're absolutely right, actually. And when I talk about the program, a lot of this is speaking from the programs that I feel I have absorbed and then have to unlearn. So I think you're absolutely right that to distrust everything is not the answer, nor is it to trust everything is the answer. There's a certain amount of trust that you have in people and things and yeah that there's a certain trust that you have that is is there and it, it's there to support you as a safety net and there's a certain right that's not going to benefit me yeah does that address address what you said do you think um, you cut out a little bit there, so I didn't get the whole thing, but I think I understood you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically I, I agree with you that there's a balance of trust and distrust and actually distrusting everybody was a reaction I had, um, mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. I, think I think you probably remember. Yeah. I think a lot of people can fall into that. Like if yeah. I think just wanting to be right or wanting everyone to maybe admit that they were wrong. I think that actually is probably more powerful than wanting to be right. Can sometimes, I think it can skew how you think. Like you can almost take the opposite uh, opinion just because you wanna be right. Like you wanna be like the one that says, I told you so maybe, or you wanna, uh, you wanna be the one that was seen as oh you knew it all from the beginning or oh you you knew that this was coming or you know something like that and i think that's a that's a rabbit hole because once you once you start with one thing it goes to another thing and then another thing and another thing and all of a sudden you're you don't believe anything that anyone is saying and you are essentially like a conspiracy theorist guy you know like you yeah you only yep. listen to small things that have negative impacts on the world just because yeah. you think that you want these people to be wrong and you want yourself to be right like so badly that you'll take some drastic standpoint or something and just and actually because of you know internet and google you know it's a very powerful tool because you can look up something and you can find an answer to it right away but because there are people on the internet and not just facts on the internet, you'll see everyone's perspective. And sometimes people will fluff their own perspective because they want to get a following or they want to 
convince people or they want to be be popular because they don't have some part of their or some part of their life is neglected or something and so they turn to the internet and all of a sudden when you put one idea on the internet and you hear a bunch of people supporting you uh it becomes almost a downhill maybe not okay depends on the what kind of idea it is but i guess but if it's a negative thought about let's say like mistrust mistrusting the government and you have uh i don't know a bunch of people come and read your post or whatever and they like it and all of a sudden you have all this attention and people following you and then you kind of need to continue putting out stuff like that and i think that can almost force you into a position where you're going against the grain just to go against the grain you know instead of looking at all the facts and looking at for the attention yeah and also because of google you can find anything that you want like if you looked up what's the average i don't know lifespan or something <laughs> you could find it being anywhere from like find 50 years find old it. to like 80 <laughs> years old you know there's not if there's something out there that can be skewed it will be skewed just because the sheer amount of numbers of people on the internet and also the way google actually i think is also uh, a problem in this too is that they'll feed you into stuff that you want to see so for you yeah, that's right echo, echo chamber yeah the echo chamber exactly if you look up with the intention of uh like disproving someone like if you say uh this is a stupid example but like carrots let's say you think a carrot is uh a fruit or something and you look up are carrots a fruit you might get a different answer than if i looked up our carrots of fruit because of our the previous things that we've looked up you know yeah. and one might be a reputable source and other might be some dude that thinks carrots are a fruit you know <laughs> you know yeah. that just has a lot of yeah. people behind him and it looks like an official website because that's right i mean people can do that nowadays it's pretty simple to set up a professional looking website that's right and I think I, I, this is all like digital age stuff that we're having to figure out as we go. Mm -hmm. There's nobody here to teach us this. But I think I've, when I searched the internet, when I searched YouTube, when I searched Google, I've had to stop taking every answer as an authority figure. Like we talk about the AI, right? As a tool. Google mm -hmm. is a tool, other people, and their information is a kind of tool. But if you're not centered in yourself, you can be very easily swayed by people sounding like they know what they're talking about and you believe what they say and then you share it with your friends and they're like, wait, that's not right. And then you're like, what? But this reputable source says it. You know, mm -hmm. a 47 year old white man in the YouTube comments, <laughs> he's a reputable source. I think most yeah. of the time it's not you know, okay, I know what you mean, but like it's almost in disguise a little bit, you know? That's right. Yeah. Like it could be this very professional looking uh, YouTube channel or website that's like uh, 
uh, I don't know, for example, let's say it was like Byron's News or something like that, you know? <laughs> and yeah. if it and has you, a lot of followers, like a whole you, team behind you. Yeah, you kind making of like the professional thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like a professionally created content and it's, you know, it looks like it should be true. So you believe it's true, you know? <laughs> and I'm not yeah. saying that you should uh, follow just what the mainstream says or anything, you know, or just or just take your news from one place because yeah. at the end of the day if it's you just take your news from all one place then uh chances are it's going to be wrong at some point you know i think you need to look at uh but the both sides because i think some conspiracy theories i bet some do have some truth to them you know yeah. just by the sheer volume of conspiracy theories and other people's mm -hmm. like thoughts against maybe what is considered true some of them have to be right <laughs> like some yeah. of them have to be right like there's just too many yeah. and so i'm not saying that all conspiracy theories are wrong and i'm not saying that all news media is true <laughs> i just think there's a balance in between somewhere in there uh personally i think it's more shifted towards the mainstream news but yeah sure. i think there is a balance line somewhere in there that is the actual truth and I think people need to kind of look at both sides and find that actual truth instead of sticking with one side and instantly believing everything they hear from the other side is false because it's from the other side, you know? Yeah. yeah. Given how much misinformation is out there, what is your method for determining the truth? Uh, well, personally, just like the way I live, like I never, uh, I kind of... Whenever I look at someone, I'm trying to understand them, you know? So if I see this guy and let's say he is a nut job or something, you know? <laughs> let's say that he he only talks about conspiracy theories or in mainstream, I guess, what would be considered a conspiracy theory. And he has all these sorts of kind of wacky ideas or considered wacky from the mainstream again about... Yeah whatever if i see that guy i'm trying to understand him on why he has these ideas whereas i think a lot of other people don't even try to understand like no one's trying to understand each other they're just trying to making prove judgments. themselves yeah making judgments and trying to prove themselves right or the other person that they're wrong instead of trying to have a meaningful conversation about what could actually be true they just shut each other out from the get-go yeah so i guess people yeah making yeah yeah people are making conclusions about life instead of trying to experience life i think mm -hmm. because when you conclusion is a safe area and when you're constantly living in fear you're looking for any safe area you can get to so it's very easy to make conclusions in a certain state of mind when you're always living in fear and inadequacy. But when you are fulfilled from the inside, I think you, you're there, you're here not, not to find the truth, not to discover the truth, but just to experience the possibilities of what can be true. Because you can say that conspiracy theories and science we're all talking about theories like for mm -hmm. example what I, what, what I mean by that is science says that gravity is true we all take this as a 
as a truth, right? A flag of truth planted into the ground of who we are. <laughs> But gravity is just, it's a word that we use to describe a force that we don't understand. At okay. the end of the day, it's a theory. It's not truth with a capital T. <laughs> the force happens. We can see that. That's what our senses tell us. Yes, that is true. Something happens. But the gravity, the word that we say, the law that we just that we write in the textbooks this is not truth with a capital t it's our label for it's our descriptor for the real the reality underneath and the same with a conspiracy theory it's just a different theory this is not to say that conspiracy theories and our scientific theories are equally legitimate but it is to remind i guess yeah it's a reminder that we all are here to experience the possibility Henry hello it's true right we in the words are just a way of us trying to understand it but ultimately you know it's just it's just happening <laughs> like that that's the most fun it's just like being here and it like wow this is happening right now Like we're on an we're on a spinning orb at a thousand like that's spinning at a thousand miles an hour, whatever the number is. Our science mm -hmm. can tell us that, but we're here. It's happening. Why is it happening? We have no law for that. Everything up upon this is just speculation, right? Just labeling things that are happening. I think that And, uh, a big yeah. part of like, for example, gravity could be some other big thing that maybe we haven't even discovered yet that it's just a part of that big thing or gravity is just a part of that big thing and but we take it right now as uh truth and fact you know i'm not i'm not, not saying that it is because i have no fucking idea i'm not i don't know objection <laughs> but but uh uh you know i'm saying that it could be you know and actually a good yeah. example of this is like you know i know it's kind of like hush hush nowadays but like anti-vax you know yeah. like if you're an yeah, like a, an anti-vaxxer you're almost uh you're almost instantly considered like a whack job yeah you know that's right and i don't i don't think that's necessarily true i think that there probably is some merit behind uh anti-vax and now i'm gonna now people are gonna be like oh what's wrong with you Brian? you know oh. <laughs> but but like if you i don't know honestly i don't know that much about this either i'm just saying that right now i don't have all the information i don't know all the facts this is just what i am perceiving right now is that what i've heard is you know uh there aren't that many studies shown about the long-term consequences of vaccines so maybe you're afraid that on a, uh, the va uh, getting a vaccine or getting let's say a covid vax because maybe there aren't that many studies of covid vaccines because they're relatively new in the long term uh on how that would affect you and so maybe you decide that you'd rather risk getting covid than maybe let's say obviously i don't know if this is true or not but let's say uh you get you, there's a chance that you get cancer or something from getting a covid vax Let's say that i don't know if that's true but let's say let's say that that's the, yeah. the case and you'd rather as a healthy let's say 25 year old you'd rather get covid uh in the short term 
than have to deal with the long-term effect of maybe getting cancer. And of course there are also, from what I've heard, because obviously, I, again, I don't know that much information, but yeah, me neither. Yeah, from getting a COVID, like I know that there's, you can get like brain fog and that can be a long-term effect too. But I think some people will either see not all the facts from one side or see more facts from another side and then they'll make their, their decision based off of that. Like, I don't think just because you don't want to get a vaccine, you should be branded as some heretic or some crazy guy that, you know, that you should just never talk to because they're instantly wrong because they don't want to get a vaccine. You know, I think at the I end of the day, yeah. people will do what they think is best. And so if they think that not getting the vaccine is the healthiest option for them, well, that, that's what they're going to do. You know, I don't think people should hate them for that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just doing the best with the information they have. Yeah. Some people have certain more information than others and other people have different information than others. And the problem is when two people with different information go head to head, then you're just arguing from different islands, right? Yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. That's a good way to put it, actually. Arguing from different islands. Because <laughs> you, you can't... Because you're not... Yeah, there's you're no, not talking there's no, about the same thing. There's no meeting point and you don't have any information that you agree on or any facts that you agree on because you don't... Yeah. You don't believe in the same news sources or anything. And then you literally cannot get anywhere because you will never agree with each other on the basic facts of of whatever you're arguing about and well, actually i think anti-vaxxers yeah this can yeah. this is applies to everything like religion yeah. politics yeah, yeah. <clears throat> sorry i think that like shunning these people or shunning the the maybe the minority that are anti-vaxxers only makes them double down on mm -hmm. their ideas like if you call an anti-vax person stupid I mean, what are you going to do? Like, if you get called stupid, what are you going to think? You're you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I sorry. Yeah, I am stupid. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. Why would you why would you think or say that you're wrong just because someone else calls you stupid? No, you're going to double down and you're going to look for even more stuff to prove your point because you want to be right. And so I think treating people like that and calling them stupid or putting all this negative energy towards them or negative emotions on them it's just gonna split the divide even more. You know, it's That's not right. gonna open up room for conversation and get people to understand each other. That's right. I think one way to um, summarize this with what we said earlier about the AI is that, you know, if you're looking down at somebody or rather if you're looking up at somebody as an authority and they tell you you're stupid, you might be like, well, yeah, I am stupid because this person who I look up to told me I'm stupid. And then if you look at somebody who is just a random person who says you're stupid you're like what what are you talking about like yeah why, what gives you the right to say that you're looking down at that person and what we need to do what how any conversation can be resolved i think is if you just look at a person with eye to eye for who yeah. they are right because everybody comes from different experiences they have different information like we talked about if you see them eye to eye you understand exactly where they're coming from you understand that this island means that they will argue this certain way and you can make peace with that you, you don't have to agree with them but you can add to your information pool right to make better decisions because now you you know more about the terrain yeah of, i yeah. i completely agree with you i think yeah just to summarize this 
this uh, episode, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if uh, if you just like you were saying, if you just look at a person and when you're talking to them and try to understand them as a person, then I think everything will go would go so much smoother if you just you know instead of looking at them as your enemy or something, just understanding that they are like you, also a human that can make mistakes and and uh, can make uh, errors in their life and make misjudgments and stuff like that, just like you can as well, then I think people will understand each other more and, you know, resolve issues that maybe they didn't even think were possible to get resolved before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would, I, and I think if I were to phrase that, I would say don't look upward, upward at anybody and don't look down at anybody. Mm-hmm. But just look at somebody for who they are. Look at somebody. <laughs> look at somebody. That's right. And look right at them. And just, <laughs> just stare them in the eyes until they concede the argument. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, this actually connects to our um, the question, which is, what ways? What is it? In what ways do, are you? What do people misunderstand about you the most? Yeah. And the only reason misunderstanding happens is because you're not seeing a person for who they really are. You're not listening you're, to them. You're seeing you're seeing them from a distance, and you see the outer, outer, uh, outer layer, and you make a judgment, right? Mm-hmm. It's useful to you. That's not that's not a bad thing, but when you really see a person for who they are, what you're looking at is yourself, and you understand that we're all in this together. Yeah, you can have a lot of compassion for anybody that you meet. I think with that mentality. Yep. Okay, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the to the podcast. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>